3: If you have a conversation about basketball in Detroit, the odds of Earl Curriton being brought up is about 100%.
4: You couldn't find anybody who A, didn't know Earl Curriton, and B, had a bad thing to say about him. He was universally and unanimously beloved.
3: Earl the twirl passed away suddenly over the weekend, and now the basketball community is left without its greatest ambassador. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Basketball is huge in the city of Detroit. The city's public school league continuously turns out some of the nation's best hoopers. The Pistons have won three NBA titles, and that's not to mention Wayne State and University of Detroit Mercy's Clubs. There is one person that is a through line through all of these things. Earl the Twirl Curitan played at Finney High in Detroit for U of D and for the Detroit Pistons, a remarkable feat.
0: You know, in terms of an ambassador for the organizations, you couldn't have found a nicer guy who is more willing to make Detroit basketball something better.
3: I remember last year he was so happy when they rededicated Saint Cecilia's, and that's the place where he came up. And, I mean, he said in an interview that that's where he got his scholarship on the floor there. I'm I'm just extremely excited about it. I meant the world to me as a kid growing up. I got my college scholarship right on Saint Cecilia floor, and so many
4: athletes came through there. So this is going. We're trying to give an opportunity to the young youth now to have a place to go.
3: I mean, I think that's so important. You know, people talk about Al Kaline is Mr. Tiger and Gordie Howe is Mr. Hockey, and it's because they were so dominant as players. But if you had a Mr. Piston, it'd have to be Earl, but it's not because of who he was as a player. It's who he was after that with the Pistons. And I think that's just so great.
0: Yeah, he was like Mr. Detroit basketball. We call Mr. Basketball the best high school player at any given time. But in terms of somebody who actually cared about the sport and cared about Detroit as much as he did to combine those things, and I think that was just his life's mission
3: that right there is my colleague Chris Villar, WWJ's morning sports anchor. And while the Pistons are the top basketball dog in town, Earl's affinity for his alma mater was unmatched. He spent years doing their games on TV and the radio. The next voice you'll hear belongs to Robert Vowles, U of
5: D's athletic director. He was one of the first people that I met after I came on board. and He gave me a fabulous history of basketball and what basketball means to, like to this city. And Earl himself is just an ambassador of it in general. But what I got from him, Earl loved this school. He loved the city. He loved the Titans. He loved playing for the Titans. And the fact that, you know, he went away to Robert Morris at that point in time, and then Dick Vitale came back and got him and brought him back here. Even on Saturday, you know, when he was doing our game, You know, at the end, I mean, we gave each other a hug and we were supposed to talk today at 11 o'clock about Antoine Davis coming back to uh, the city tomorrow. If it was about Detroit Mercy, he was here.
3: I mentioned this at the top. We lost Earl yesterday. He died suddenly of an undisclosed medical event. He was just 66 years old. And while Earl loved the Pistons and U of D, Earl's love was for the
5: city itself, the city that raised him. This runs and cuts deep. I've been in contact with Greg Kelser. I mean, Greg Kelser has known him since he was 15 years old. What both of those men have done for this community and putting Detroit first and helping people is extraordinary. And the fact that we lost Earl is devastating because we don't have that person who's going to be there for us to share the information that we need to be shared. He was just a prominent person within his community. I was talking to Ike McKinnon, former police commissioner, and then he said, he and Earl talked almost every day back to that point, how he just loved this city and the neighborhoods and the community in and around the city.
3: Earl's ability to touch so many people made him stand above the rest. Robert mentioned Ike McKinnon, the former police chief. Beyond being Detroiters, Earl and Ike share a love for St. Cecilia's gym. Anybody who was anybody in Detroit's basketball community came through St. Cecilia. I don't think there's any greater basketball fraternity in Detroit than people that were a product of St. Cecilia's. I mean, and he was their number one cheerleader, too.
4: He was. He had himself woven so deeply in the fabric of Detroit that, I mean, anybody who was in the basketball stratosphere in the city of Detroit. I mean, he was one of the, the elites. I mean, it was funny because it really kind of went against what he wanted. He wanted to always be a functional piece, a role player. But as far as it was concerned with basketball in Detroit, I mean, you couldn't find anybody who, A, didn't know Earl Curiton, and B, had a bad thing to say about him. He was universally and unanimously beloved.
3: That right there was the voice of Dan Hasty. He does U of D basketball games on the radio and television. In fact, he and Earl worked together less than 24 hours before Earl died. Dan says for a measure of Earl, you have to flash back to when U of D retired his jersey. I
4: remember the night of his jersey retirement ceremony and George Blaha was the MC that night. So many people from across basketball came out that night, whether it was Charles Oakley or Vinnie Johnson or Isaiah Thomas. There were so many more. They all wanted to celebrate him, which you'd expect. But also the people who are inside that building at Callahan Hall who see him every night the Titans play. They wanted to celebrate him just the same. And I think that speaks a lot to the kind of person that he was. One of the things that I'll always remember is that he really did respect every single person he came across. It didn't matter who you were.
3: I mean, he really did respect
4: what everyone did.
3: How did Earl do this? Like, how was he everywhere all the time? Chris told me that when you boil it down, it's actually pretty simple, at least in theory
0: if it had something to do with hoops in Detroit or Metro Detroit, Earl was probably trying to find a way to make it better and become a part of it. So on the Pistons broadcast, you know, I'd post the pregame and the postgame and the halftime, and he would come in and he would be uh, Rick Mahorn's backup. The funny thing about it is every now and then, and this will tell you a lot about how Earl operates, there would be some times where Rick would show up to the arena. It'd be game day, game night, and Rick maybe would hurt his back or wouldn't be feeling well at the arena. And Lo and behold, who was sitting right there to sit right down next to Mark at the drop of a hat if he needed it was Earl Curriton. And I think that's because he spent, felt like, the majority of his life trying to go around Little Caesars Arena and Callahan Hall and help people, no matter how big or small they were.
6: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: In my conversations today, one of the things I learned the most was how Earl made other people feel about themselves, something Dan Hasty experienced firsthand.
4: One of the things I was doing was I was standing for the entire broadcast, Earl was with me for the first. It was a back to back game. The first game, I felt so unnecessary to be standing up and to ask this 63 year old man to join me in essentially what was a superstition. I didn't say anything. I sat and our team got crushed. So I said to myself that next night, I'm to stand. He doesn't have to stand with me. I stood. And he kind of gave me a little bit of a puzzled look. We went to our first commercial break. He said, so uh, are we standing today? (laughs) And so I said, I probably told him something about being way too superstitious, but he just went with it. And that was kind of the way he was. He was just a team player. And this guy who could have easily laughed at me and told me to sit down, and I probably would have, he stood that entire game, and Detroit Mercy won the game that day.
3: Earl touched so many lives, from St. Cecilia's to U of D to the Pistons and beyond. Putting a legacy like that into perspective is going to be quite the chore. I wonder, you know, the preservation of his legacy. One thing I know, Dan, about Detroit is that nobody loved Detroit more than Detroiters, and Earl was as Detroit as it gets, and that's worth something.
4: The kind of person that Earl Curiton was is the kind of person who gets their name put on buildings. That's just the way he was. He was so identifiable with the things that make Detroit, Detroit. He was hard work. He was grit. He was trying not to steal the attention for himself. He was just trying to put in an honest day's work, and he was trying to do it as best he could. I mean, this is the kind of legacy that I think so many people should be striving to have. So in terms of preservation to his legacy, I don't think there's anything that's off limits.
3: I say this a lot because it's true. Nobody loves Detroit more than Detroiters. And Earl Curitan is as Detroit as it gets. He's the real deal. Earl was not woven into Detroit's tapestry. He was the weaver of the tapestry, an indispensable asset to our community. There isn't much else to say other than twirl on, Earl on. Today's big thanks go out to Robert Vowles, Chris Villar, and Dan Hasty for taking time to chat with me on a tough day. Check out WWJnewsradio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do You want that Daily J delivered right to you? All you have to do is text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply.